the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. All righty then. Yes, indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. 11 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. Wow, we came in a little late there. That's a little, that's considerably late. I don't know exactly what happened there at the end of the uh, Hugh Hewitt program, but here we are. It's 11 minutes after 9 o'clock. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us Thursday, the 16th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, good program. we got a bill that's been dropped in the Ohio Senate, the state Senate, by State Senator Jerry Serino from Kirtland, and uh, we're going to talk to him about it at 9.35. Holding universities and colleges accountable uh, guaranteeing, or at least intending to guarantee, that they get the outstanding education they deserve free of all of the social justice nonsense that is involved with DEI, otherwise known as DIE, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Spell it that way because that spells die, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the education system die. They want to try to, quite, quite frankly, make the entire Western civilization we have built for ourselves die. Uh, Jerry Serino, state senator, will join us to talk about this bill. Uh, coming up at uh, 9.35. At 10.10 this morning, we will talk with Dr. Everett Piper as we fight the culture war. A war we did not start, a war we did not want, but a war we must win. 
We didn't want it. We didn't start it. We didn't declare it. But it was declared upon us, and we have to fight it, and we have to win it. So Dr. Piper has got a couple of uh, very interesting uh, developments on that front. That will be happening at 1010. So Jerry Serino, 935, Dr. Everett Piper, 1010, and you, whenever you want, whenever you're ready. Hit them where they ain't, as a famous guy once said in the uh, baseball realm. Hit them where they ain't. Find your spots where we don't have a guest and hit that spot. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you there. I'm going to offer you something now. Tell me whether or not you would take this. If I offered it to you, would you be willing to accept $5 million as a one time lump sum cash payment but that's not the end five million dollars just directly to you for existing just for being here but after the five million dollar five million dollar one-time gift would you then accept also ninety seven thousand dollars in salary or more per year for the rest of your life that's on top of the five mil so you get five mil up front, you get 97000 a year. Oh, by the way, you need a house? You get a house. We'll give you a house for a dollar. So five mil up front, 97000 a year for every year for the rest of your life, and a home for a dollar. Oh, by the way, you got a lot of debt racked up, student loan debt, revolving credit debt, mortgage, car payment. You got debt? All of that gets wiped out in addition to this. This is what I'm offering you. So keeping our total here, running total, $5 million up front, $97K a year for the rest of your life, a new home for a dollar, and all personal debt eliminated. Oh, by the way, no taxes. You don't have to pay taxes anymore. Rest of your life. What do you think? Would you accept that if I offered it to you? There is one caveat, however. And that caveat is one that might be a little bit of a deal breaker for you. I will tell you what that caveat is after we do our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriot Stan. That's right. I'm going to make you wait. Patriot Stan, face your flag. Put your hand on your heart. Join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in anything that I'm talking about right now, because you already know the, the other uh, part of the story, The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey once said, well, if you are a believer in any of that, then you don't understand what that flag represents anyway, and you don't want to pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, let's say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so the caveat, <clears throat> in order to get the 5 mil, the 97K a year, the $1 home, the uh, all personal debt eliminated, and no taxes ever again for you, all you have to do is live in San Francisco, California, and and and, and be black. There it is. That's the other side of the story. If you're black and you're in San Francisco, you're eligible for all of that. Why? Well, because the San Francisco Board of Supervisors says so. That's why. 
the San Francisco Board of Supervisors has voted unanimously to accept a draft plan from the city's African-American Reparations Advisory Committee that would pay a one-time $5 million payment per black San Franciscan. If you're black and you have been so for at least 10 years, and by the way, that's in the language. You have to be at least 18, and you have to be black, and you have to have been black, identifying as black or African-American uh, for the last 10 years. <laughs> You get the five million, you get the ninety-seven k, you get everything else that I just said. How do you qualify, though? Well, there are a couple of other little stipulations here. Number one, you have to be black for at least ten years. Number then, you also have to meet two of eight other requirements, at least two. And among those are that you or you are, uh, if you are a direct descendant of someone who has been incarcerated by the failed war on drugs or if you're a descendant of someone enslaved through U.S. chattel slavery before 1865. All right? Now, first, let's, let's hit that first part. If you yourself were incarcerated for being a drug dealer, if you or a descendant, or excuse me, if you are a descendant of someone who was incarcerated, like your dad, if your pops or maybe your grandfather was ever incarcerated for being a drug dealer, you qualify for the $5 million cash payment. And if you are a descendant of someone enslaved through U.S. chattel slavery before 1865, and you might think, well, okay, well, um, there's a whole lot of Americans who have been enslaved. Um, you know, maybe there's a whole bunch of people who are going to qualify for this $5 million payout plus. Oh, no, wait, you have to be black. Only Black slavery counts. Only the transatlantic African slave trade counts. The rest of the slavery that's gone on and all of the white people whose ancestors have been enslaved going back throughout history, both modern and ancient, you don't count. Only the black slave trade is going to be counted here. And when all of these people put their hand out for their money and it is granted to them, how will that impact the city of San Francisco? Well, let's just tell you this. The entire city of San Francisco's budget for this last fiscal year, 2022-2023, is $14 billion. If half of the city's nearly 45,000 black residents met the requirements for the payments that I just laid out for you, half of them, the city would have a bill of $112.5 billion. Mind you, the city budget is $14 billion. But they would be giving out $112 billion just for the people who qualify now. And what about the 15, 16, and 17-year-old black-identifying residents of San Francisco? As soon as they turn 18, it's their turn for the five. This goes on in perpetuity. It goes on forever. Well, pretty close to it. You know, the $5 million has no deadline date. There's no sunset clause there. The $5 million, the 97000 a year and the home and all that stuff, that's for 250 more years. <laughs> that's what it says in their proposal. By the way, this would cost every non-black person in San Francisco who's a taxpayer about $263,000. Every non-black would have to be paying taxes to the tune of $263,000 per non-black taxpayer. All to give 
those dollars to people who were drug dealers or whose uh, direct ancestors were drug dealers or if they were involved in the transatlantic slave trade. So I bring that up to bring this up. First of all, the absurdity of it should speak for itself. You talk about driving a massive, massive wedge between the races that are already divided in this country. Let's just tell white people they have to pay $263,000 per person to black people to get $5 million for just existing, even though you never enslaved anyone and none of those people who are getting the money were ever enslaved. They're looking back at history here. So if they're looking back at history here, I suggest we look at all of the history of slavery. And now for a brief history of slavery. Here's the first thing you need to know. Slavery was not invented by white people. It did not start in 1619 when the first slaves came to Jamestown. It existed before then. It did not start in 1492 when Columbus discovered the New World. In fact, when the intrepid explorer landed in the Bahamas, the native Taino tribe hoped that he would help them defeat their aggressive neighbors, the Caribs. The Caribs enslaved the Taino and, on occasion, served them for dinner. Slavery existed in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. The word slave actually comes from the Slavs of Eastern Europe. Millions of them, all white, by the way, were captured and enslaved by Muslims in the 9th century and later by the Ottoman Turks. Slavery existed when the Roman Empire controlled the Mediterranean and most of Europe from the 1st through the 5th centuries. Slavery existed when Alexander the Great conquered Persia in the 4th century B.C. It was so common that Aristotle simply considered it natural. The slave master model was just how the world operated in the great philosopher's day. Slavery existed during the time of the ancient Egyptians 5,000 years ago. As far back as we can go in human history, we find slavery. As renowned historian John Steele Gordon notes from Time Immemorial, slaves were a major item of commerce. As much as a third of the population of the ancient world was enslaved. Here's the second thing you need to know. White people were the first to formally put an end to slavery. What? In 1833, Britain was the first country in the history of the world to pass a slavery abolition act. They were quickly followed by France, who in 1848 abolished slavery in her many colonies. Then, of course, came the 13th Amendment in the United States Constitution. After centuries of human slavery, white men led the world in putting an end to the abhorrent practice. That includes the 300,000 Union soldiers, overwhelmingly white, who died during the Civil War. Now, am I saying that this makes white people better than anyone else? Of course not. My purpose here is to simply tell the truth, and the truth is that human history is complicated. No one, regardless of skin color, stands guiltless. Yet today we are never told to consider the murderous Persian Empire or the cannibalism of indigenous tribes of North and South America or the heinous actions under the imperialistic Muslim, Chinese, Mongol, or Japanese empires, to name just a few. And that's because, as you know, and thank you to Candace Owens, this is a portion of a very important PragerU 5-minute video, and that's because it defeats the narrative if you point out all of these other races and ethnicities 
and cultures that enslaved other people who were not white, meaning other ethnicities who were not white who enslaved others. And yes, that whites were indeed slaves. If we tell that part of the story, if we tell that part of human history, well, then we can't justify what they're doing in San Francisco, which is telling every white person, you are to blame for slavery. You owe $263,000. And every black person, you are the only victims of slavery. You get five mil plus 97 K a year for life, a free home, uh, no taxes, and uh, and all personal debt wiped out. No one would be, would support such lunacy if the true history of slavery were known. So, got a mom or a pops who was locked up for being a drug dealer. Here's your check. Did you have somebody way down in your family tree, in your history, in your ancestry that was enslaved at one point? Here's your check, but only if you have darker colored skin. If you have lighter colored skin and you have descent and you are the descendant of slaves, too bad you get nothing. And before you say, yeah, but they weren't enslaved in the United States. Well, I would say to you, true, but they weren't enslaved in California either. California was never a slave state. And yet here they are offering reparations to people who were slaves or uh, excuse me, who are descendants of slave slaves. No white person in, in the world today. None of them owned slaves. No, Let me rephrase that, because there is slavery going on right now in other countries. There is slavery going on right now in Asian countries, in African countries. That is a flat-out fact. But since we're talking about the United States, no white people in the United States have ever owned slaves, and no black people in the United States have ever, have ever been slaves. But here we are, literally forking over through taxes, reparations for that abhorrent practice. I welcome your thoughts, 216-901-0945, Don't forget, we're going to talk with Jerry Serino, state senator, coming up after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on The Answer. 9.35 now. We do continue on AM 1420. The Answer. Appreciate you being with us. Don't forget the culture war continues, and we'll fight a battle at uh, 1010 with our general, or one of our generals, Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, that'll be at 1010 this morning. I want to bring on State Senator Jerry Serino from Kirtland now, as promised, to talk about an important bill that was introduced yesterday in the Ohio Senate. Uh, which hopefully will get some quick play there and be pushed over to the House and sent to Mike DeWine. But what is it and how important is it? I can tell you this, after talking to uh, State Senator Serena over the weekend at the Bringing America Back to Life event, I call it a very important bill because it has to do with educating our college students in a manner that is free of uh, the pressures of DIE, diversity, inclusion, and equity, as well as social justice and more. Jerry Serino, State Senator, thanks for joining us this morning. Good, sir. How are you? I'm great, Bob. It's uh, good to be with you. So we've got, I, I spent a great deal of time over the last few days 
since I was fortunate enough to get a, an advanced copy of the bill that was introduced yesterday, and I've got a nice summary of it here. So I want to try to drill down on as much of it as we can, but I'll let you start with a general overview. What is this bill intended to do, Senator Serino? Great. Well, Bob, the, the, the bill is actually called the Higher Education Enhancement Act, mm-hmm. and it, it deals with, as you know from, from looking, uh, looking through the details, it covers quite a number of issues. Uh, all designed to make uh, higher education in Ohio. And by higher education, I'm talking about community colleges and our state universities. We, we, we need to make, we need to get these folks uh, focused on what their, what their, what should be their core mission here of educating and training our students how to think, not what to think, and how to develop their own analytical skills and come to their own conclusions. And we know that that's not really happening. There, there are, uh, and, and this bill is really sort of a course correction, sort of we're forcing it on them if the bill passes or when it passes, but it's a course correction to to stop trying to become agents of social change and go back to your core mission of educating our students on how to think and how to analyze things so that when they graduate after spending thousands of dollars, they are prepared to be out in the workforce and have a great life. Uh, you know, uh, making money and raising families and starting businesses in the state of Ohio. You know, it's um, it's quite a, uh, an amazing thing to see over the course of the last, you know, 10, 20 years, I think, or at least for me, because that's when I've really started to observe it and notice it. Uh, so many kids go into Ohio's colleges and universities one way, and they come out virtually unrecognizable uh, because of what you just said. They haven't been taught uh, how to think they've been taught what to think and they've been taught to regurgitate it repeat it and uh and spread it um and 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 so much of it is negative so much of it is divisive so much of it is quite frankly dangerous uh for our civilization it goes against virtually everything that we have value everything that built this civilization family values and and beyond and that's not to say everybody should go to college and learn to become a conservative but senator serino they're going to college as conservatives from conservative families and coming out radical to the point where their parents don't even recognize them I hear that from parents all the time, Bob, and uh, it's sometimes from the students themselves. And uh, th- we, this this bill is the culmination of about seven months of research that I've been doing uh, on all of these topics that are included in the bill. Uh, and there is plenty of evidence that this this sort of thing is going on out there. And you know, uh, the, the the woke approach that has been the, I, I call it the woke bandwagon that our institutions of higher learning have jumped onto. Uh, to, in varying degrees, some are worse than others, uh, is, is, is tremendous. And, and when you, and we have some great recent examples here of what happens when wokeness in a focus on DEI instead of following your mission. Look at the bank on, on the West Coast and the East Coast that have recently, uh, uh, run into serious trouble. They were not focused on their mission, which should be banking, and they were spending their time and lots of money uh, on, on DEI-related issues, uh, and now millions of people are, are out lots of dollars. It was reported this morning, Bob, from, uh, from one of the news sources that STRS, the State Teachers Retirement System in Ohio, mm-hmm. has lost between 27 and $40 million with, with Silicon Bank on the West Coast. And as you've probably heard from some of the other uh, reports, that uh, Silicon Bank uh, was 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 probably the, the most woke banking organization in the country, 
uh, run by economic morons, but they were focused on diversity and not on their core mission. You know, we want well, yeah, they were focused on investing in companies that were not necessarily going to provide the best returns and the best opportunity for growth for their investors, but companies that shared their green initiatives or their, as you say, their diversity right. and, and equity and these kinds of things. So they didn't make their, you know, their, their financial analysts did not make their investments based upon returns for their investors, but literally on, on, uh, 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 social justice issues and other things that they wanted to advance. So right. they used our money right. in, in, in a way that is not, quite frankly, it's, you know, uh, I think there's a question that should be asked about their fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders and whether or not they should all be personally liable uh, at these banks for, for investing in such places. Well, we, we, we call this ESG investing, okay? And, mm-hmm. and we've dealt, we're, we're dealing with this right now in the Senate. We had a bill the other day in finance committee, uh, where I serve as vice chairman, uh, that, that is making sure and we're shoring up the current state law that says that, that for any of the state pension plans, that they have to focus first and foremost on return because that's what's going to keep those pension plans viable for current and future retirees. We already know now because of this STRS business here that they haven't been following state law and we are going to be calling on the carpet. Uh, the people, the trustees who are running STRS. Trust me, there's going to be more to come with that one. Uh, yeah. And uh, in, but again, when it comes to diversity and equality and so on, look, I, I'm not. I, I don't want anybody to be discriminated against. I don't want to exclude anybody because of any factors that you know. We have Title IX and Title VI federal law that have been out there for a long time, and our universities and colleges have compliance offices that they've had for decades making sure that they don't fall um, uh, into out, out of compliance. So we have infrastructure already in place. We don't need massive organizations added to the cost of our, at our universities and colleges uh, to, to jump on this, this DEI bandwagon. We have ways and means of protecting people so that nobody gets discriminated against and everybody has an opportunity to get a, the education that they want and that they deserve. No, I completely agree with that. We're talking with uh, State Senator Jerry Serino from Kirtland about the this important bill he dropped yesterday. It's uh, it's the Higher Education Enhancement Act. I, I, I want to hit a couple of the highlights on the on the bill, and then offer a okay. couple of questions or ask a couple of questions. I'm, I'm, I think I've just become cynical by nature over the course of the last 20, 25 years of doing talk radio and looking at poli- talking to politicians and looking at bills. And I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, According to some of the highlights here, the bill uh, requires and guarantees intellectual diversity in the classroom and among the faculty. I would like to talk about how that's measured, number one. Uh, Free speech protections for students, faculty, and staff. What does free speech look like? Is it just about speech not being suppressed, or does it uh, ban compelled speech, which we can talk about? No requirements in diver- uh, for diversity, inclusion, equity courses, or trainings for students, staff, and faculty. That's a good thing, but does it prohibit those things? It might not be required, but does it prohibit those things? F- uh, full syllabus transparency, including all assignments and required and commend- uh, recommended reading, and no political or ideological litmus tests in hiring, promotion, and admissions decisions including diversity statements and other requirements that applicants describe their commitment to any such ideology or concept. So every one of those is a good thing. The question is, is, are they all encompassing enough? So let's go to the top. Intellectual diversity uh, in the classroom, excuse me, and among the faculty. How's that measured? Like, uh, I think we all know 
um, whatever measurements are done, such as doing anonymous um, uh, questioning or surveying of of college faculties and asking them, do you do you register Republican or Democrat? Do you identify yourself as liberal or conservative, et cetera? Some ninety five to ninety eight percent of them say liberal or Democrat. So if we are going to guarantee intellectual diversity in the classroom and among the faculty. Will there be some sort of a quota system in order to make sure that diversity is there? So it's not 98% right. to 2%. Right. We, we studied that issue, Bob, for a long time, and, and there's not an easy way to, to uh, dictate who gets hired uh, mm-hmm. at our universities. You're, you're exactly right. Uh, the, the, uh, the faculty uh, in almost every survey I've seen uh, is predominantly uh, identified with the the liberal or progressive uh, side of things, and uh, you know we we know we need to change that a little bit here a lot certainly, but it's it's very difficult for us to put quotas on you know what 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 the political disposition happens to be of a particular faculty member. So some of the bill is aspirational in nature, but we do have um, adjudication processes in the bill so that if a student or a faculty member feels that they're that their free speech is being either restricted or compelled, uh, that, uh, that there's a process where that gets reported. Uh, they don't have to go out and get a First Amendment lawyer, which nobody's going to go do. I mean, rarely. Take, um, take me and, further into and, that, Senator, um, with the compelled part of it. Like I said, because I think it's relatively easy to say we will censor no views. We will censor, I mean, outside of profanities and right. so forth. We will censor right. no views, even if they are considered by some to be hateful, and that's the way this goes. But it's another thing right. uh, to compel speech, and we have seen this all over the country, including in, in institutions here in Ohio, uh, in which people are right. being told you must use certain pronouns or you must use certain names to describe things that are biologically or grammatically incorrect, and you have to do it or else there are repercussions. Will there be protections right. in this bill so that people are not compelled to say things they do not want to say because they do not believe? Well, we, the litmus test section uh, really tells us that, and, and that is going to be a requirement, there's, there's no question about it, that you may not uh, use litmus tests uh, to, to uh, evaluate for, for uh, admissions, for hiring, for promotions, for granting of tenure. Uh, and, and, you know, but what about I just for students? From... What about just for students? A student in a classroom yeah. refuses to use a, a plural pronoun to describe a singular individual because it's just not grammatically correct or, or biologically doesn't want to acknowledge some male in address and, and call him a her. And, uh, are right. there, if there are disciplinary sanctions that are possible in those universities, will there be protection against said discipline in this bill that is guaranteeing free speech? Yes, we do. We do have. We, we. I think we address compelled speech, uh, which I think is more egregious than restricted speech. If you have I to too. make a comparison here, yeah. Uh, and because because it, in compelled speech, you're you're being forced to say you believe something when you don't, right? right. And 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 that's 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 egregious in my opinion. And so, it, you know, students if students are feeling that they are compelled to say something or to, uh, uh, and we've had some court cases in Ohio already. Uh, on the use of pronouns, um, and one of the one of the universities down in Southern Ohio recently went through a two and a half to three year litigation process with a professor who refused to use a pronoun that the individual student wanted them to be called. Right. Okay, and he was he was sanctioned by the university. Uh, it went he sued the university and it went to court, and I think he just got a two million dollar settlement in the last several months. That sounds uh, right. Because yeah, I was, remember the case. It, yeah. 
Yeah, and and so um, look, we, we, we've got uh, we got a lot of stuff in this bill that gives people the opportunity to um, to tell us and to report, and the university must deal with them and report every instance of this back to the chancellor's office, who has to in turn report it to the speaker and the president of the Senate. And we are going to be watching that sort of thing carefully. And this bill doesn't solve every problem, Bob, but it is a major first step here in in sending a message also to the boards of trustees that the legislature, which funds hundreds of millions of dollars to our state institutions of higher learning, that we're not going to just simply continue writing checks if they're not managing themselves in a manner that we think is appropriate for putting out the best students that we can in the state of Ohio. Yeah, of of uh, of that I have no doubt, Senator Serena. We're talking to Senator Jerry Serena, state senator from uh, Kirtland. Um, uh, it's a good bill. It's a strong bill from all of my observation and interpretation over, over the last few days since I first got it. Uh, I just want to make sure it can be the strongest bill that it can and pass. Um, and that, uh, in, in fact, I'll just ask one more on, on that little list of highlights, and then we'll talk about the uh, prospect of passing this both through both sides of okay. the uh, General Assembly. You know, the third point was the no requirements for DIE training courses or training for student staff or faculty and it's one thing to say we don't right. require it and we won't will not fund these universities if they require it but um can it be prohibited because it doesn't have to be required to be jammed down the throats of students uh die to be you know diversity inclusion and equity to be uh used in a way to essentially shape the thought uh, or as we talked about being telling students what to think and how to think it uh be supportive of equity as opposed to equality which we know are two very different words despite right. sharing some of the same letters they're very very different prohibiting those things from being forced on students by either professors or uh, departments is something that I'm really interested in. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we thought this thing through over the seven months that we've been working on this particular bill. And, you know, I, I just made the decision at, at, at some point that, that let's, let's, um, let's remove it as a requirement first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we can subsequently uh, look at this uh, in the future in terms of uh, if we feel that, that uh, either we're being ignored or that uh, uh, individuals have figured out a way to find a loophole or to go around what our expectation is in the, in the uh, legislature. Um, but I think I, I just felt that it would be a, a more reasonable at this point in starting out on this to uh, get, it, get it removed as a requirement. Um, I think, quite frankly, that when we do that, that these programs, uh, may die a natural death. Okay, if they're not required, they're not going to be able to support the budgets for these kinds of programs. And I think I think it may die a natural death. If it doesn't, we may have to step in later and help it along. Yeah, that's 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 well said. I was going to say, if it does not, I hope there is a, a contingency plan here to 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 advance that so that it does. Um, actually, one more thing before I talk about uh, getting it pushed through. Um, there's a significant portion of this bill which essentially calls for our institutions of higher learning, our community colleges and universities, to break off contacts with the Confucius Institutes that are on a number of campuses. Um, essentially, yep. this bill says we will not be working in conjunction with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, can you explain yep. that a little further? Sure. I think uh, I think I look at that from two perspectives. One is the the obvious national security issue, which of course has been in the national news here quite a bit. 
particularly institutions that are doing research. Uh, you know, we have Akron University that does a lot of uh, polymer research, advanced polymer research, because they're in the rubber capital. Uh, they recently, and I think I think it was two years ago, they 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 scratched their uh, relationship with with China uh, on research uh, at, at the behest of the uh, Defense Department. Um, I think I think you know we just the, the Chinese Communist Party and the and not the people of China. I don't have any problems with the people of China. I've I've done business in China, Bob, for many years. Um, you know, but it's the the Chinese Communist Party, the People's Liberation Army, any entity you'd like to point out here that is related to them, uh, do not have our best interest in mind. And last year, a year ago, companies and educational institutions were very quick to drop away from Russia because of the Ukraine invasion. Well, when you look at it on a relative basis, what China is doing around the world, and particularly to the United States, is, in my view, much more serious, not to denigrate or minimize um, what's happening in in the, the Ukraine. But they are under, actively undermining the United States of America and our children in so many ways. It, a partnership with them, a campus partnership, uh, is just unacceptable to me. And I think in our best interest to not support them. We don't have a ton of them in Ohio, but we want to make sure that, you know, and we can't ask them to abrogate contracts. Uh, so the bill says if you've got a contract, you may not renew it. And we certainly are not going to allow any new ones. And that could be like campus relationships, uh, you know, with Shanghai University and one of the Ohio's uh, colleges um, are not going to be able to have a relationship. Doesn't mean that a student can't go and take uh, some courses in China. They're free to do that. Right. But we're not going to have any agreements uh, or any relationships with Ohio's public universities and colleges. Uh, and um, I think that's in our best interest. Okay, so Senator Serena, last thing for you here, and we'll have to do this somewhat quickly. Um, prior to January 3rd, I would have thought any bill like this would be a slam dunk, bam, done, because we have massive veto-proof majorities in both chambers of the General yeah. Assembly. But then the House went and screwed itself all up. The Republican Party cannot get out of its own way, and now there's a division mm-hmm. there. And I don't know what, what, what we can count on from 22... Uh, uh, House members who joined with Democrats uh, to screw this whole thing up. So do you have any idea? Have you talked to anybody in the House about what the chances are of this going through the Senate quickly and getting through the House quickly? Yeah, it's a great question, Bob. And I will tell you that I have had discussions with with lots of folks in the House about this. And I will tell you that there is a, 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 a legislative concern across the board uh, for where our colleges and universities are going here. Uh, I believe that this bill will pass the Senate easily. I believe it will pass the House as well. And uh, I've had conversations about this bill with the Chancellor and others in the administration. Uh, and, you know, we may disagree on a few things, but overall, I think this bill has a, an extremely good chance of uh, becoming law here uh, before too long. Any contact with the governor in an indication that he would sign quickly? Uh, no, we don't usually do that. Um, so we, we kind of uh, work around the edges first. And, uh, you know, we might get an inkling as the bill proceeds. But I think it would be probably inappropriate for the governor at this point, the way he likes to work, I think, is to, to uh, come out with an opinion on some legislation when it's first introduced. I think he'll wait for it to kind of go through the hearing process uh, before he, he may chime in. But, I, I, you know, I think the governor the governor is very committed to higher education as are we in the legislature. 
Uh, and um, I, I think uh, I think we'll, we will get this bill done. Fair enough, uh, and I think that's a fair thing to ask of the governor. I just worry about what that mm-hmm. governor does. And if we don't have the veto-proof uh, passage in the House because of that split that I talked about, I wonder if he would he if he would be uh, uh, more likely to to uh, maybe say no to that. But we'll wait and see. It's a Higher Education Enhancement Act introduced by Senator Serino yesterday. It's a very important bill, a first step, as he said, to uh, to improving our institutions and uh, making sure the kids get the uh, educations that they deserve without the indoctrination that goes along with it. We'll keep uh, following it and tracking this through the process, Senator Serino, and perhaps we'll have you back on soon to talk about the next step, because there are a few other steps I would like to see our General Assembly get behind, and uh, and we can talk about that as we go. We thank you so much for your time this morning. Great. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Senator Jerry Serino from Kirtland. All over this, we'll take a time out now. We'll get to our newscast. On the other side of the newscast, back into the the battlefield uh the culture war rages on we didn't choose it we didn't start it we didn't want it but we have to fight it and we have to win it and dr piper will help us get there coming up on am 1420 the answer you and i have a rendezvous with destiny we'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Nine minutes after 10 o'clock and our second hour has commenced. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us on a Thursday. It's the 16th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2023. And uh, thanks again to uh, State Senator Jerry Serino. There's a lot to like about that bill. A few things I wish were strengthened, but like he said, maybe this is a starter set and there's more to come. But we'll come back to that in a bit. I want to get into now uh, the latest battle in the culture wars. And, of course, when we go to battle, we need a leader, and one of our generals is indeed our next guest, Dr. Everett Piper, back with us. He is a... Uh, best-selling author. He is a weekly columnist with the Washington Times. He is a radio host. It's called The Rebellion. You can catch it on podcast platforms everywhere. He also happens to be a, 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 a county commissioner in Osage County, Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Rare is the day that I speak with you, and I want to talk about a Washington Times article uh, before I want to talk about your Washington Times article. But this is one of those days. Uh, I want to talk, and we will get to your column from this past Sunday, but I want to talk about the nursery school challenge uh, that I know you're familiar with because you posted about it. Um, Lunacy gripping large sector of our society must be confronted, and I could not agree with you more because what we are seeing here, and as evidenced in this story, is an attempt to completely uh, destroy the actual uh, God-given minds of children from literally their earliest ages. And we're talking about times where they will not even have memories of this. I think science has shown and medicine has shown that children start to develop memories that they'll always be able to keep at around five years of age. But Dr. Piper, as evidenced in this piece by Gerard Laval, if I'm saying it correctly, they are getting these kids before they can even form their memories and trying to convince them that they are something that they are not. Um, tell us this story, please. Well, it comes out of Washington, the state of Washington, suburban areas up there. Or I may have that wrong. I, I couldn't tell from the article. They didn't say Washington, D.C., but frankly, it doesn't matter. Um, there's a Christian school 
that sent out a notice to all parents that send their kids to the school saying that there was a child, a biological boy, four-year-old, who had decided that he's now a girl and that henceforth he's going to start coming to school dressed as a girl and he's changed his pronouns and changed his name. This is a four-year-old. And the letter that went out to all the parents that have their their children in that respect. Actually, Dr. Prepper, before you talk about the letter, can we just focus on that for two seconds? He's four. He's four. And he knows that he identif- or that, that his identity is wrong. He's got the wrong mind and the wrong body. He really knows he's a girl, and he wants to be a girl, and he wants to dress like a girl, and he wants to have pronouns like a girl. And he figured all of this out at four, not with parental or therapist or teacher or whatever involvement. He figured this all out on his own. This is what they want us to believe. I just need to underscore the lunacy of that before we talk about what the other parents were asked to do by way of this letter. Yeah. Well, and that is the point. Uh, everything else is just background noise. The point is this kid's four years old. Do you remember anything you did it for? I don't. Maybe one or two things. Your point is perfect. You don't develop a memory until later on. So, and, and another thing about children, any good parent, any parent that has any common sense whatsoever understands that children have a great imagination and that should be nurtured. But it shouldn't, and you, you shouldn't nurture it to the extent that you enable them to deny reality. A four-year-old might think he's Superman. A four-year-old might think he's Peter Pan. A four-year-old might be pretending that she is the little mermaid. So are we now going to allow children to define themselves, to self-identify as fish and, and deny the fact that they have two legs and instead they have a tail with fins because they think they're a little mermaid? Or if your kid thinks he's Superman, are you going to give him a cape and say, go ahead, jump off the roof? We're going we're gonna to affirm your identity as Superman. Of course you wouldn't do that because they're four years old. They, they don't know anything. And frankly, this is the dumbing down of the definition of the child as much as the definition of the human being. When we get rid of childhood innocence and we start treating children like adults, we open up Pandora's box to treat them like adults in other areas of life, too. If they can identify their sexual, um, if their, their gender, if a four-year-old can identify, can make a decision, an adult decision, to define himself as a gender other than what his biology says he is, then why won't we allow that same four-year-old to make other decisions when it comes to sexuality, like how to behave sexually? The, the risk here is that we're, we're blurring the line between adults and children to the extent that we're allowing four-year-olds, this is crazy talk, to make any kind of sexual decision, any kind of de- sexual decision, should not be within the realm of a four-year-old's ability to make because they can't. They're, they're not developed. I mean, one of the degrees I hold is in psychology, and anybody who has two, two seconds' worth of education in child psychology knows that there's nothing in child development research that would indicate that a child has the ability, nor should he be given the responsibility or, the, or any legal right whatsoever, moral, ethical right whatsoever, to make these types of decisions. You're endangering children. By, by doing this, and this Christian school that enables this nonsense and this deceptive abuse and endangerment of children should be sued. They shouldn't be, you shouldn't give your money to them, you shouldn't send your tuition dollars to them and continue to prop up this Christian school that's doing this thing. Two quick responses. Um, I'm reminded of what uh, Bill Maher, the left-wing talk show host on HBO, said a few weeks back, a few months back, I guess now. 
and he was discussing this. And, you know, as you just pointed out, if little kids got to be everything that they said that they were, if we were supposed to believe them and act upon that, he said, my parents would have, uh, I think he said, thank you, Mom and Dad, for not scheduling. He said that he wanted to be a pirate. He told them he was a pirate. And he said, thank God that they did not schedule me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that's reality because kids do that sort of thing. And it's with that backdrop I give you reaction number two. This is the lieutenant governor of the state of Minnesota, a woman by the name of Peggy Flanagan. Dr. Piper, I want you to respond to this. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving health care. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. That's what it means to be a good parent. Dr. Piper? No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's just crazy. You're not a good parent if your child thinks he's Superman, he wants to jump, up, jump off the roof, and you say, go ahead. That's bad parenting. It's not good parenting. Bill Maher's analogy is perfect. What are you going to do, chop off the kid's leg because he thinks he's Captain, or his, his hand, I guess, if he thinks he's Captain Hook? No, of no, I think he was not. going with peg leg there. I think he was going with the peg, with the peg leg. He said leg is, is a peg leg remo- or, uh, surgery. But, but yeah, I mean, this, this lieutenant governor, a leader in the state of Minnesota, second most powerful person in that state, said, when your child tells you who and what they are, it's your job to believe them. I mean, for goodness sakes, we're supposed to believe them. I mean, we, your examples, all of them were, were spot on as well. The Superman with the cape idea, don't jump off the roof. You actually can't fly. But she's literally saying when a confused kid says, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl, it's like let's get to the doctor now and start the therapy or start the uh, uh, the uh, uh, gene therapy or the uh, uh, puberty blockers. Yeah. And this, I mean, I remember, here's an analogy, and you probably have someone raising your children too. I remember when my youngest son, um, I don't know, let's say he was five, six, seven years of age. He was older than four, but he was still too young to make stupid decisions and be enabled in doing them. But we allowed him to pretend. I mean, cowboys and Indians, they play army, they do things, they pretend to be a character that they're not. That's not bad, but you don't tell them that that's reality. Well, the, the cartoon, the Disney cartoon Tarzan came out while my boy was young, and we bought him at a Disney store the loincloth and the knife or whatever that came with the Tarzan costume. All it was was a cheek. So he came bouncing down the stairs one day in his loincloth and his knife, and there happened to be a group of college students in the room, and he entered the room and was embarrassed because he was pretending to be Tarzan. Well, what was I supposed to do? Say, hey, don't laugh at him because, you know, he really believes he is Tarzan. Well, of course I'm not going to do that. You know, we we pulled him aside and said, you don't need to be embarrassed. But, yeah, okay, you might want to be careful where you're wearing your loincloth and time you come bouncing down the stairs. So, in other words, you use it as a teachable opportunity for your kid. You you encourage imagination, yes, but you don't enable uh, delusion. And there's a there's a huge difference between the two. Well. The message here, uh, just to wrap this up uh, and take our time out here, is that you know if you think that you don't have to worry about where you put your kid until you're choosing a college for them, uh, nope, 
uh, it literally starts from the very beginning. The moment you give up your child for several hours a day because you are going to work, the moment you put them in a daycare or a preschool or a nursery school in any way, shape, or form, you better look very, very closely at who the uh, uh, the uh, teachers, caregivers, providers, instructors are. You better look very carefully at what their, their lesson plans are, what their action plans are, and what they're going to do to your kids because they are literally starting in nursery school before they are even, even able to develop memories. They are trying to twist their minds into some sort of little pretzel in order to advance their own agenda. So you better be aware even going into the preschool realm. Dr. Piper, we'll take a time out. We'll come back, and we're going to talk about why and how it is Republicans have decided to bow to the goddess, as you call it, of D.I.E. And we'll be right back. Ten twenty-one. we continue now with Dr. Edward Piper. We didn't start the culture war. We didn't ask for it, but it was declared upon us, and we must fight back, and we must win. Dr. Piper is helping us do that. Okay, Dr. Piper, let's get to your piece from this past Sunday in the uh, Washington Times. It's interesting, the headline, you're, we're, we're referring to the uh, uh, D.I.E. God or deity, if you will. And, by the way, apologies for the correction of D.E.I. to D.I.E. That's how I do it. Um, and uh, you refer to it as the goddess of, of D.E.I. slash D.I.E. Can you tell us exactly what you mean by that? Well, the reason, and I know you, and I, and I understand why you like to use the D.I.E. I get that. Um, I'm playing off culture. of, yeah, you're, yeah, the death analogy. I get that, and I, I don't have any problem with that. I'm going with the DEI because the um, representative in question, we talked about it last week on your show, she actually declared in a committee hearing in Oklahoma, a de- Democrat representative by the name of Regina Goodwin mm-hmm. said that, and I quote, DEI is deity. DEI is a god, close quote. She said that, and then after she made that comment, a committee that was comprised of a majority of Republicans voted with her to shut down a bill that would have given parents the opportunity to see what the curriculum is in the local public schools, what assignments are being given to your children, what textbooks, library materials, and videos your kids are using. So she used this DEI, deity, and she declared that DEI is God. And I think what she did is she just committed a Freudian slip, perhaps, or maybe she was just willing to say it, and that is this is the God of the left. This is the God of the progressive mind. The God of DEI, of diversity, equity, and inclusion, trumps any other God in the discussion today. And the bottom line, in their world, this deity stands for not diversity. That's what D is supposed to be. It's division. They don't believe in the United States of America. They believe in the divided states of America. They're dividing everybody. It's us against them. It's the 99% against the one. It's whites against blacks, men against women, gays against straights. It's everybody else against me and me against everybody else. It's a divisive worldview by definition. So it's not a a worldview of diversity. It's a worldview of division. And then the E, equity, I would argue is synonymous with blame. They're blaming everybody else, and they're teaching the next generation of leaders in the United States to to covet. They're teaching them to break one of the Ten Commandments. You've got more. I like what you've got. I want some of yours. Give it to me. That's the whole strategy. That's the whole ideology of redistribution. 
So it's div- it's it's division by definition, and it's also blaming rather than pursuing equality. They don't believe that all men are created equal. In fact, they'll blame whites, white privilege, systemic racism, etc., for all the problems that ail us in our culture. You look out the mirror, you blame, excuse me, you look out the window and blame everybody else for all your problems. You never look in the mirror and accept any responsibility. And then finally, the whole thing of inclusion. I think inclusion is perhaps the most pernicious of the entire acronym. Inclusion actually means denial. They deny science, they deny biology, they deny physiology, they deny logic, they deny reality to the extent that they're teaching four-year-olds to declare themselves to be something they're not, and they're teaching parents to affirm that and enable that. It's the ultimate in a participation trophy strategy where nobody wins and therefore everybody loses. It's a terrible worldview that is a cancer on our culture, and we've got Republicans in the state of Oklahoma that are embracing it. Interesting observation, as you described uh, inclusion and denial. You cannot spell denial without a D, an E, and an I, just to, just to point that out. So it's very, very accurate there. Secondly, um, I, I think twice you said, referring to Goodwin's uh, reference to DEI as being God, once I think you said a God and once you said God, and of course there is a difference to declare, you know, something is a God, you know, there's the golf gods that are going to punish me by making me miss a putt, those kind of the small G references are one thing, but she said, I think, just straight up, God, as in our God, as in the God, as in the only God, not one of the Greek gods, but God, and that is, that's astounding, isn't it? Yes, and you're right. Um, if, if I was paraphrasing it by inserting the word A, yeah. then that's my paraphrase. That's not what she said. She said God. And the reason she was, she was playing off of the DEI as the, as the uh, context for the word deity. Mm-hmm. And we do know the Imago Dei, DEI, that is Latin for God. So we understand that she, I don't know if she understands Latin or not, but she understood that the root of deity is DEI, Dei. It's the reference of God, and she actually proclaimed in the budget and um, in the budget committee for the state of Oklahoma that had a majority, if, my, if I remember right, of only eight Democrats out of 32 on the committee. So all the rest are Republicans. They voted with her and shut down a bill that would have given you the parent the opportunity to see diversity, equity, and inclusion, and any other material that's being used to teach your kid. And if you agree with it, fine. If you disagree with it, you have the right to know and to help your kid understand that within your home, within this house, we don't agree with those particular ideas, and here's why. But they don't want you to do that because they don't want parents involved in challenging this orthodoxy. If you are heterodox in your thinking and you disagree with the orthodoxy of the left, then you are verboten. You're unwelcome. They're going to silence you, censor you, and they're going to take parents out of the mix. That's what's going on here. You will worship their God or you will be silenced. And their God is the EI. Yeah, very well said, and uh, and thank you for that that great explanation too about DEI and day meaning God in Latin. And, uh, and I don't know whether she knows Latin or not, but I'll tell you what she was very. This was not a Freudian slip. This was absolutely what she intended to say about all of this. Uh, and I'm glad you're covering it. Last one, we'll spend a couple of minutes on here. I talked about this uh, the other day briefly. This teacher in uh, Maryland, in uh, uh, middle school in Montgomery County, Maryland, named Rebecca Rothstein, uh, who is proud as blank to be a liberal. It's the F word. She's proud and 
bragging about indoctrinating her students, and she's proud to call for an end to capitalism, adding that revolutions involve violence. She is on social media promoting uh, communism directly, Marxism directly, um, uh, criticizing capitalism, and bragging about indoctrinating her students with all of this. Dr. Piper, I know there are radicals out there, and I know there are radicals out there in our schools, but what does it say when these radicals in our schools literally have no fear of reprisal, no fear of any uh, 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 discipline or maybe even losing their job, by brazenly going online and saying, yes, I am not teaching your kids science and reading, I'm teaching them Marxist acts of activism. That's another animal altogether. And keep in mind that this was in a junior high, okay, yeah. a middle school, which means what, uh, 12 to 14 years of age probably? Sounds right. So she is indoctrinating. That's her word. She used the word indoctrination. She used the word Marxism. She used the word violent overthrow. Those two words. She actually said this is what she considers a priority for her teaching, for her curriculum, for the syllabus that she's using as a model to teach your kids. And yet people are silent. Parents need to get their kids out of these schools and recognize that what happens in Maryland doesn't stay in Maryland. That's happening in your backyard too, Bob. It's happening in my backyard. It's happening in everybody's backyard. And you're right. The reason that this woman is speaking out and saying these things openly is she fears no repercussions. In fact, I think I got that story from Fox News, and Fox News, at the time they wrote the story, said that the the school had given no comment. So the school wasn't going to do anything about it, at least at the time of writing the column. Well, it, you know, it shouldn't have taken a column in Fox News for them to know that she's doing this. She's doing this because she has an audience for it, and I guarantee the audience are students. There's probably high school students in that same district who support what's going on down there at the middle school level where, the, where this teacher is. You know, they're, they're, in this world, every school board, every school administrator, they have to be dialed into social media. There's no way that they cannot be for the protection and the safety of their students and the appropriateness of what their students are doing, saying, and how they're interacting, as well as their faculty and their their staff so they had to know this it didn't take fox news for them to know and they keep her employed and that's my biggest issue here it isn't the issue that she's a radical saying these crazy things it's that she can do it as you pointed out with impunity and nobody in a position of authority over her is trying to stop her and because the people in authority over her agree with her that's why they're not trying to stop her bingo Uh, and, and which begs the question then what does a concerned parent do I guess that's when you go to the school board meetings and you say, hey, look what she's doing, and hey, look what they're allowing her to do, and then they call the FBI on you and drag you away. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the reality of the, of the situation right now. But it's a fight that we absolutely have to continue for. We're going to have negative stories like this, Dr. Piper, to talk about you and I every single week. And we're going to continue to talk about them because if we don't, and we don't spark some action, we are going to lose everything that we have. And, uh, that's not something I'm willing to submit submit to. Dr. Everett Piper, thank you. Great job as always, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Blessing. Thank you. 1031, news time now. Uh, I guess that's it, right? Rest of the way, we're home free. Your phone calls, 216-901-0945. Guest free the rest of the way on Always Right Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Onward, roll we. That's right. Roll we. We do. We roll onward. 
1038, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. This is one of the best headlines, and I think one of the best stories that I'm going to see, I don't know, maybe this year. I don't know if I want to put a time frame on it, but uh, but I absolutely love this. Remember this uh, charming uh, young lass? This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. She's a a charmer, isn't she? (laughs) How dare you? Well, uh, good old Greta, or rather good young Greta, she was 15 when she was doing all of that crap. Not that she's not still doing that crap, but she's 20 now. She started at 15 back in 2018, 2018. And this is one of the best headlines, like I said, I've seen and I'm going to see for quite a while, I'm sure. Greta Thunberg deletes 2018 tweet saying climate change would, quote, wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels by 2023. When did she delete that? In 2023. (laughs) I just... I just have this glorious image in my head of the calendar flipping over uh, on New Year's, this past New Year's, into 2023. And every day in January, and every day in February, and every day so far into the month of March, I cannot get the image of Greta Thunberg sitting outside in the middle of her yard, looking up at the sky, Looking back at her watch, back up to the sky, back down at her watch. Damn it! <laughs> and going to Twitter, I gotta delete it. She waited until the third month of 2023 to delete the tweet that said, We'd all be dead and humanity would be wiped out if we didn't stop using fossil fuels by 2023. She's so ticked right now. She has got to be just furious with rage and with anger. How dare you? Looking up at God and Mother Nature. How dare you? How dare you embarrass me like this? I said we'd all be dead by now. Will you get on with it? How dare you? Oh, that is just classic. You know the beauty of her and and it meaning it meaning the story. The beauty of it really is that she was chosen and she was programmed into being the good little uh, green uh, uh, gang green member that she is. She was chosen to be one of the spokespersons back then when she was uh, you know a fourteen fifteen year old little uh, little uh, lass, and uh, they figured. Well, if we just come out with the same old messaging, they're just going to dismiss us. I mean, look how wrong Al Gore was back in 2000. He said we'd all be dead by, what, 2010 or whatever it was? 
And then in 2010, he said it was going to be by 2012 or 2020. or whatever. We keep trotting out these old nobodies, and it's always wrong, and they can just dismiss us. But nobody can make fun of a kid. We just put a little kid out there, give her some lines, let her practice them, train her up a little bit, send her out there, and who can possibly disagree, or at least who can possibly publicly mock or make fun of our message when it's being by deliver, being delivered by a young girl, an emotional young girl, an emotional young girl who knows she's never going to grow up to be an adult because we're all going to die if we don't stop drilling for oil and if we don't stop mining for coal and fracking for natural gas. We're all going to die. Who could possibly make fun of her? And the answer, of course, at the time was right. Nobody. If you if you made fun of or mocked Greta Thunberg then, what kind of a monster are you? She's just a kid. She's just a child. She's really legitimately concerned about her future, the future for her generation and for the people. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. We do? <laughs> How do young people for hope? If I'm looking for hope anywhere at all, I'm looking skyward and asking Jesus to take the wheel and for Jesus to bring us hope. And if it's beyond that, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm looking at myself knowing I've got to make things happen. Because I'm sure as hell not looking at Generation Z, not this generation of little monsters that we're creating, little soy boys without any inkling whatsoever of how to change oil in a car, but they know how to put on eyeliner. And little girls, I mean, I mean look, the, the reality is Gen Z is the last place we will look for hope. But she wants us to think, or and, and she believes, that we're looking to them to, to, to steer us out of this? How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. Well, then shut up, you spoiled brat. You're lucky. People are suffering. People are dying. That's never happened before, has it? <laughs> boy, oh boy. We got a lot to answer for here. People are dying now. Not before, but now. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the That never happened either, right? Species have never been wiped out by famine, by drought, by flood, by 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 ice age. No, that's never happened either. Yeah, but keep going. The beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. Crystal clear, she says. And she said in 2018 on Twitter, when she was 15, that climate change would wipe out all of humanity by 2023 if we didn't stop using fossil fuels. Well, despite the best efforts of the President of the United States... You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? Despite the best efforts of that guy, we are still using fossil fuels. It is 2023, and we're so sorry to let you know that um, we're all still alive. How dare us, indeed. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I've been having a little fun with some of the uh, gangrenies on Twitter. And if you're on Twitter and you're not following me yet, please do. 
um, at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z, R-A-N-T-Z, France Rants. That's how you spell it if you want to find it. You can also just search for Always Write Radio, one word, Always Write Radio, and you'll find me there too. But um, I was responding and having fun with some of these uh, these gangrenies uh, um, uh, on Twitter last night and a little bit this morning too. And I just want to read this one because these um, these freaks are posting videos of floods. And they're posting uh, videos of wildfires. Because, you know, Biden did this the other day. <clears throat> Talked about, I've flown in uh, Air Force One over, uh, or Marine One, I mean, over uh, uh, you know, wildfires that have burned down forests and areas of forest that are the size of Maryland and, and, and all of this nonsense. So they're showing all of these things and saying that if we don't change our ways, these things are going to keep happening and it is going to wipe us all out if we don't change our ways. And my response to these nut jobs is, right, because there were no floods, and there were no wildfires, and there were no tsunamis, and there were no earthquakes, and there were no ice ages, and there were no warming periods at all before mankind appeared on this planet, right? None of those things ever happened. We're controlling it. When we came and we started building fires, and then we started, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, trying to uh, f- uh, factory farm, and when we started to build combustion engines, and when we started to grill things, and our animals started to fart, and when all of this stuff happened, human beings happened, the carbon rose, the carbon, the carbon levels rose to the to the roof, and that's why there's earthquakes and floods and wildfires now. None of, those, none of those things ever happened before we got here, right? And I say these things obviously tongue-in-cheek because they are stupid and ridiculous to even consider, but they really believe it. They do. Somehow, some way, they actually believe the lunacy that we caused it all, that those things didn't happen before we got here. And that's why they trot out little, uh, little Greta. They trot out little Greta, and they make her say her line, which is kind of reminiscent of The Simpsons. Uh, with Bart Simpson, his famous line, I didn't do it. They trot out. How Trump, dare you? And that's all you need to say. How dare you? How dare you? 1050, we'll take your call right after this on Always Right Radio. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. If you would like to get in this morning, let's get you up and on the radio and find out what you've got to say. We're guest free until the end of the program at about eleven forty five. John from Marco Island, Florida, by way of Chardon. You're on the air, good sir. Go right ahead. <laughs> hey Bob, regarding your earlier comments about San Francisco, uh, heavily subsidizing black people. Yeah. The logical extension of this is that the city limits will be loaded with black people, and and they don't work and don't contribute anything to, to the economy. Well, everyone else is residing in the state. Is well, they would they would California. be contributing to the economy. They wouldn't work. You're right about that, and and that doesn't mean black people. That means I think anybody that you give five million dollars to up front and then give them free ninety seven thousand dollars per year for life, 
uh, a home with no payment. You got to they sell it to you for one dollar, no taxes, uh, and no more debt that you have to pay back. I think you're right about people not working who are given all those things, but they would contribute to the economy because one would suspect with all of that money they'd be spending like crazy. So if they're spending all of their money on goods and services, they are contributing to the economy. I know that's not the point you were getting at, but I just wanted to clarify that. Okay, good. Yeah, that's, now, now, that's now, what, now the point, point. The point though was was which part? Well, so so everyone else residing in the state of California would be paying the cost of this lunacy with increased taxes for. Well, well, know, not not. See, but that's that's the bad part, uh, John. If not everyone in California, this I think would just be San Francisco residents. San Francisco. Okay. Oh, uh, 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 residents, because this is a local, this isn't a California-wide thing. This is only San Francisco passing this for San Francisco uh, African-Americans who qualify as as having been there for 10 years and all the rest. Um, uh, It's only San Francisco. So they did the numbers, uh, Human Events Crunch, the numbers, that if every eligible African-American gets their $5 million and all these other giveaways, that every non-African-American in the city of San Francisco would have to pay about $263,000 dollars in taxes to cover all of that yeah great you mean that? That, that 263 is that that's the total amount not per year right right, right. that would that's what it would cost yeah. every san francisco resident uh who's not black uh they would have their taxes increased by that amount that's how much they would have to pay just to pay back these reparations which is so of course absurd and insane and 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 uh insulting really the suggestion that anybody who's non-black would have to pay black people for being black just because they themselves are not black and therefore they are descendants of of abusers and oppressors this is all part of CRT of course and that the the sure. blacks who are getting the, the the reparations here are are uh, descendants of of people who were abused and who were you know who were um, oppressed so they you know the the idea sure. that the idea that modern day americans would have to either pay the price for or receive the benefits of things that were done 150 years before they were ever born is quite astounding sure ridiculous yeah yeah okay all right anything else my friend i guess that'll do it for today bob thank you john god bless appreciate you down there uh listening on in your uh in your snowbird home there in uh in marco island ac is up here in the snow with the rest of us uh well it's not even snowing now it's gonna be like 55 today i think so it's not too bad but ac in cleveland go ahead you're on the air yes uh bob uh two quick things here before the ecosystem collapses i mean you really got me fired up with this with this clip you played all right uh the first is the eligibility for black reparations package offered by the San Francisco Supervisory Committee that you talked about at the start. Yeah. Uh, applicants will have to prove they didn't vote for Trump in 2016 or 2020 because the president said, if you think you're black and you voted Republican or for Trump, you ain't black. Oh, wow. That's a good point. How are they going to prove their blackness if they did yeah. not vote for Biden? Yeah. Yeah, this has to be included in the app on the application form. So they're going to have to check ballots. They're going to have to go back and prove and find out who who they voted for. And if you are indeed a person with darker skin and and African heritage or African American heritage or whatever you want to call it in the PC world, uh, you better prove that you voted for him or all of that is wiped out and negated. You are no longer a black person. You did because uh, Biden declared so. Yeah. Mm, That's a good point. Oh, yeah. Is that it, my man? Well, I had one more thing. Well, let's I, hear it. I don't know if I got enough time. You do. Here, but 
You do. I was actually okay. hoping because you sounded like you were about to go through a list, which I was like really getting ready for. Uh, but if, okay. <laughs> but that was a good one. What's your second point? Okay, second, words matter, and I uh, you're being a former English teacher, you would understand this. Okay, Indeed. there's a difference between servants and slaves. All right. Of course. I'm going to bring up something here that that kind of touches indirectly on what you said earlier as far as slavery. Jesus gave us a promise three places in something called the Olivet Discourse. He said, my word shall not pass away, okay? And in this discourse, which was given shortly before he was crucified, he gave two parables about himself using the symbols of a Lord with servants, a servant or servants, okay? In the turbulent 60s, civil rights movement was going on, a Bible translation was published that changed these words in his parables to be about, instead of a lord and servant, to be about a master and a slave or slaves. And it's interesting to note that the man who was the head of the committee that produced this Bible version, and it's actually the New American Standard Version, Mm -hmm. was shown numerous problems, including, you know, what I talked about. He eventually renounced his affiliation with the New American Standard Version, and said that the version that was had used Lord and Servant was correct. So I thought I'd bring that so up. That's that's fascinating. That, you know, AC, you're you're quickly becoming a a terrific uh, resource for history when you make these calls. You have a lot of really good stuff, biblical and beyond. I like that. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for sharing, my friend, uh, and thank you for the phone call. We're coming. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm not done with you. I'm coming to you. I've got another 45-plus minutes to go uh, to take your phone call. So if you're not on hold, stay there. I mean, if you are on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there, and we'll continue the conversation right after this on AM 1420. The This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three is underway at 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. And thank you for being here. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Our sponsors, Pair Kings gave us this third hour well over a year ago now. Mark King from Keeping Medicare Simple, the Floor King, my man Keanu, 
Thank you both very much for your dedicated support and loyalty of this program and our, our, uh, our need to tell the truth, to try to fight the fights that need to be fought. I, was taught, it was, I think I mentioned this yesterday briefly. <clears throat> By the way, it's the uh, 16th morning of the third month year of our Lord, 2023. Um, I may have hit on this yesterday. I can't remember what time it was. You may or may not have heard it, but I was talking to uh, a friend uh, yesterday on Houston Morning Radio, and we were playing some of the Biden clips, and I keep asking how he keeps getting away with lie after lie after lie. And she said, because the media doesn't report it, because nobody knows that he's lying. Nobody knows the reality of what's going on. And I said, well, that's where we come in. That's our job, to bring to the surface with full transparency everything that the legacy, the lying legacy media will not do. They will not tell you. They will not present. They will not allow to be shared. That's our job, and I'll do that every single day. I want you to know the truth about what's going on in all of these situations, all of them. If we don't bring truth, where else are people going to get it? If you can't get it from Meet the Press, NBC Nightly News, ABC, CBS, CNN, even Fox, a lot of the time, I won't say half the time and be be over dramatic there, but but a lot of the time, you're not getting the full story that you need to get. So when I know the truth and I know the full story and I know the reality, I'm going to share it every single day, and we'll do it for three hours at a time because it's crucial, and I will never stop. Uh, and I pre- I can't do it, by the way, without my sponsors. I just can't. I can't do it without the people that make this show happen. So I uh, want you to make sure you support them, all of the people that I tell you about, whether it's Dr. Tenpenny and you need health, whether it's uh, uh, the Floor King because you need a flooring project, project, whether it's new windows or siding or gutter guards from Empire Window Company or whether you need to learn more about Medicare from Mark King and keeping Medicare simple. Uh, all of them, uh, whether you're looking for a great meal and you want to go out and you're looking for a place to eat, and bet, by the way, now, at Harry Buffalo, I'm just begging you, support these very loyal clients and friends and partners because you know what? They are helping us win the war. Without them, we're not here, and if we're not here, the war is lost. And I'm just telling you, point blank, that's the way it is. 216 Either one of those numbers gets you to me. Let's go back to the phones. And we shall say good after, I'm sorry, good morning, beg pardon, to TJ. Hey, it's been a little bit. TJ, go right ahead, sir. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, Bob, I'm thinking about this drone incident, and I'm thinking about Biden rattling his saber, saber with uh, Putin. You know, let's go back a few weeks. It took Biden two half-a-million-dollar missiles to shoot down a $26 Hobby Lobby balloon. <laughs> now, Putin brings down one of our drones, our sophisticated drones, without firing a missile, without firing a machine gun, brings it down, and I'm thinking, why? You know, I think the reason he did that, he wanted that drone intact so he could recover it and they could do some reverse engineering on it. Now, if Biden thinks he's going to match wits with Putin, we're in big trouble. We're in really big trouble. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think Biden could uh, match wits with Greta Thunberg, to be honest with you. I mean, that'd be a hell of an Algonquin roundtable there between those two. Uh, but you're right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I remember being on the air and griping at the time uh, after the final, you know, they finally shot that thing down after eight days of it crossing our, our, uh, our, our territory, including, you know, Alaska and then the continental U.S. Uh, I remember saying, I'm sure they're waiting to shoot it down over the water because they have Navy ships in the water. And the moment it hits, the moment that debris hits, they are scooping it up and grabbing it so that they can do exactly what you said, reverse engineer the technology, find out what China has, and also find out how, uh, you know, what, what they may have gotten. And, um, nope. 
It was like three, four days later they said, ah, I heard a newscast, you know, ah, you know Navy uh, uh, personnel are in the, uh, you know, off of the coast of uh, uh, South Carolina or wherever the hell it was shot down there, just barely out, out off of the, uh, into the ocean, are, are, are trying to recover, but uh, it is believed that the uh, components of the Chinese spy balloon are, irreco- are not recoverable at this time. So it was yeah. days later, TJ, sure. it was days later. So Right, and the balloon I'm talking about was the one they shot down over Lake Huron. You know, that turned out probably a hobby balloon. Uh, they said that was probably... Yeah, lame. well, no, I was talking about the first one. Is, right. is the one that I was most, you know, the one... Yeah, they that still did haven't most... recovered the wreckage. Isn't right. that kind of funny? Yeah, right? It's crazy. Uh, you know, so... But, but you're right. We are... If we are in a battle of wits against Putin, or Xi Jinping, for that matter, or, quite frankly, with Zelensky, because I think we are, because I am not convinced that Zelensky is on the same page with us. Uh, but if we're in a battle with wits with, with any of them, we are in a uh, we're unarmed because our 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 leader, our commander in chief, is witless. There's just yeah, and, no and didn't they about. just report the other night Zelensky is uh, closing down Christian churches? Uh, he's arresting a Ukrainian uh, a priest. I have heard some similar things to that. I didn't verify any of it, so that's why I haven't talked about it. But yes, I have heard some things that really kind of, you know, make us wonder if this is the right person we're supposed to be supporting. Well, he's saving our democracy for us, Bob. Yeah, that's, that's what, what they're told. telling us. That's what know. we're told. All right, hey TJ, thanks. Uh, good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, let's go to Cheryl in Medina next on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Cheryl. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Um, I am calling in response to the. Um, caller yesterday who thought he had the inside track intentionally or unintentionally on all of the facilities in Ohio that uh, do transgender surgeries. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. The guy, the guy called and um, said, well, my, my pediatrician yeah. told me none. There's no kids getting puberty blockers in Ohio. Right. And within two minutes, I found 10. So anybody could go to, and I was figuring you were on this already, but all you have to do is transgender surgery, Ohio. And, I mean, I didn't even – there were a lot more. So I don't know. I'll tell you, you and AC, I'm glad that I followed both of you because it really comes down to this proof and evidence, and the left just throws out stuff but from nowhere, and it has no evidence, and they just try to find, you know. So in any event, that, that uh, doctor should be ashamed. You know, because he's so misleading, he's probably doing it intentionally. And, um, you know, uh, in AC said, which was so good, I have to get this in here too, is sure. um, about, uh, you know, God doesn't change. Malachi 3 6. Okay, just, you know, put that right out in front. And the other thing is, interestingly, um, my church now, we use the King James Version, and I know um, for some people that kind of makes them cringe, but I'm going to tell you, I am glad that we're using it because we're picking up all of this stuff that's really been changed. And I thought NASB was one of the good ones. And um, to have that change, it's not good to change words. And words matter, as you know, mm-hmm. and they, they they really matter. But I did want to say you did exactly the right thing. You said, I believe there are. I don't know. I'm going to look. That's exactly the right thing to do. Well, so yeah, I mean, you, you know, because it, it, it's not hard to look. I mean, literally, all you have to do is go to go to a search engine, the right search engine, don't go to Google, uh, but go to a search I'm engine and find it out. 
And and the reality is you don't need a number to know that there are they are happening because all you have to do is go to university hospitals, go to uh, uh, Rainbow Babies and Children, go to Cleveland. There there are so many of the largest hospital systems in the state. And thank you for the call, uh, Cheryl. Who actually uh, advertised it? They sent out press releases talking about their gender, uh, ther- gender identity therapies, and their uh, pure puberty blocking programs, and the things that they have literally available to you if your child is is confused or is 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 transitioning or whatever the case may be. They advertise it. It's everywhere now. They don't advertise things that aren't happening. They don't advertise things that there's no market for. There's a, they don't provide supply for something for which there is no demand. I mean, it's a, it, the idea is just ludicrous. This is somebody who's trying to uh, suggest that what is real and what is happening is just a, it's a fabrication. And by the way, I'm going to on the trans thing for one more moment. Um, I was um, just struck last night. I don't know why. I just had an inspirational thing, and I posted it on um, my Facebook page and on my Truth Social page and on my uh, Twitter feed as well. As and you know what struck me, I think, is what really grabbed me. It was the uh, uh, the video that was put out by Ron DeSantis's War Room, the DeSantis War Room uh, Twitter account, and they were responding to Joe Biden, who was calling it sinful. Remember that? I, I don't know if I played that yesterday or not, but but Biden called what Florida is doing, which is banning transition surgeries and the start to transition uh, surgeries, uh, you know, physical mutilation of kids and so on and so forth with the puberty blockers, banning it uh, for minors, which is, you know, uh, I, I think most people would say is a responsible thing because kids can't make those decisions. But So Biden called it sinful. Do I, I might even have that audio real, real, real quick. Let me just hit this because I'll follow up on the story. A transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. So the President of the United States, in his infinite idiocy said that to not physically mutilate the bodies of confused kids because they have confused minds is cruel and sinful so the desantis war room uh web or uh, twitter feed put that video out in a side-by-side uh uh window with pictures and videos of kids who have undergone those uh, those transitions and those surgeries, that mutilation that I talked about, and it's pictures of forearms stripped bare of flesh and skin and meat and muscle and tendon so that they could fabricate and make a, a, another body part out of, out of that part of their bodies. Their chests just scarred and stitched and mutilated. I mean, you have to see it, although you don't want to see it, but I, I tweeted it and I posted it and I shared it everywhere I could. Because what DeSantis's team was trying to do there is say, it's cruel to do this, you babbling, cognitively declining fool. This is what's cruel. This is cruelty. You're saying to deny them this mutilation is, is cruelty? No. Doing it to them 
when it can never be reversed. That's cruelty. That's sinful. That was the DeSantis team's response to that. So it just struck me, and I, I was watching that and looking at that, that just kind of struck me. The idea of taking little kids and performing what amount to experiments, because there is no rocket science involved here where it's just, you know, it's maybe rocket science is a bad analogy, but there's no specific steps and protocol to follow for everybody to try to take a male and turn them into a female, which can never be done anyway. Because even if you do superficially change their body parts, their their core, their cell, their DNA, their their chromosomes to their core, they are going to be what they were born. But even if you try to do that, right, there's no simplicity to it, and there are just all kinds of failures. Obviously, some surgeons are better than others, and some people's bodies are more receptive to these kinds of bizarre experimentation than others. But largely because there is no, like... Um, there's no textbook way, you know, blueprint for everybody to follow to take a male and make them a pretend female and a female a pretend male. There just isn't any way to it. So it, it's largely Frankenstein monster, Dr. Frankenstein, and they're trying to take body parts from one place and build new body parts in another place and put together this, this, this creation, right? It's experimentation. And it just struck me. When was the last time that we knew of doctors experimenting on children to try to change things about their bodies. And the answer to that question was the angel of death. You know who the angel of death was, right? Probably remember your Holocaust history. You probably know who Joseph Mengele was. Joseph Mengele, the angel of death. The doctor, the physician who took children and experimented on their bodies to try to change things to see how they would react, the doctor who drove needles into the eyes without anesthetic or, or, or anything of the sort, needles into the eyes of children and injected dye into them to see if their eyes would change color. That's literally bodily and, and physically mutilating a child to try to change the body into something different. Can you even imagine if somebody tried to do that today? Well, you ought to be able to imagine it because it's happening at these trans surgery centers all over the country. They're experimenting on kids. And they're trying to figure out, if I yank some of the skin and flesh off of here, can I craft it into some sort of weird little appendage and put it over there? And can I cut a hole out of a, 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 a another piece of skin and another body part and remove healthy organs and replace them with plastic surgical creations? They're experimenting on kids. Mengele did it and went down in history as one of the biggest and worst monsters monsters, not only really of the 20th century, but of history. And now doctors are doing it and being applauded for being supportive and gender-affirming, providing care for these children who are just trapped in the wrong bodies. There are a lot of mental illnesses that are known to the psychological world, the psychiatric world, and 
I don't know of any other than this one, the illness, the mental illness of gender dysphoria, that science and medicine has decided the answer to their, their psychological illness is to mutilate their bodies. Nowhere else. There have been no split personalities where the mind thinks that they're two people, where they have said, let's cut them in half and make two people out of them. There's never been multiple personality disorder where they were able to do or try to do anything like that. And as I've used as an example many, many times, young girls primarily, teenage girls, develop something called anorexia and they end up practicing bulimia. Practicing is the right word. They're afflicted with it because their mind is telling them that they are fat. Their body is fat, even if they're so thin you can count their ribs. In their mind, their body is messed up. It's not right. And never, ever, to my knowledge, has a medical professional evaluating somebody with that condition said, yeah, if you really believe it, that your body is not right, let's go do some liposuction and suck out every last little piece of anything that there is in you. Because you, you're, whatever your mind tells you must be correct. Let's, let's justify that. Let's reconcile your body with what your mind says. Let's make you less fat. No, they don't mutilate the body of a person with anorexia or bulimia. They treat their mind to make them realize that their body is not what they thought it was. It's only in this LGBTQ predatory world in this strange era and time that we are in right now that medical professionals recommend physical mutilation of a body because of a mental disorder. We'll be back after the news. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You know, I've got more that I'm not going to be able to probably squeeze in here um, about the uh, San Francisco story. Um, I, I played you a few minutes of uh, Candace Owens on a PragerU video talking about some of the you know history of slavery that they don't teach you in school. You're not supposed to know. You're supposed to believe all kids in American schools. This is even before CRT. What were you taught about slavery? When you went to when you went to high school, what were you taught about slavery? When you covered that part of American history, you were taught that white American colonials um, brought African slaves, dark-skinned African slaves, obviously, to uh, to the colonies and began to enslave them in 1619. And it was all about race because the white colonials did not see the Africans as being human or as evolved as they are, et cetera. This is what we were all taught, right? We all watched Roots, and we were all disgusted, and we were all repulsed, and we were just, boy, whiteness is evil. African uh, skin was, was uh, 
uh, was traded and Af- African souls were traded for, for money and for, for labor and so forth. And it was just disgusting and it was horrible and it was a great shame. And yes, thankfully, we finally ended all of that in 1865 and worked very, very hard through a civil war to get it, make it happen. But boy, that shame is always going to live with us, right? That's what we were taught. What we're not taught is the rest of the story, that slavery was something that was um, universal, and it was not about race. It wasn't about one race feeling superior to another. Slavery, going back to ancient human times, going back to ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, going back to so many areas. In fact, the enslavement of people who were different, different colored Different races, different uh, appearances, and so on and so forth was very, very rare, actually, because generally the people who were enslaved were the people who lived around in the same areas of the world, the same regions of the world. Asians enslaved Asians. You understand that? Asians enslaved Asians. Persians enslaved Persians. Europeans enslaved Europeans. It's not a race thing. It never was. As Bill Maher said... The leftist Bill Maher said on one of his HBO Real Time shows, there, throughout human history, people enslaved other people whenever they could. They made people their, their be in the way that he phrased it if, as long as they could. And it's true. But only here in the United States is it viewed as being, it was very specifically, the oppressive nature of the white man and the victimization of the oppressed black man or African. That's the only place it existed. The history of slavery is so much more than that. And the idea that reparations should be paid by modern-day descendants of one color of skin or one ethnicity to another descendant of another, as if that makes things right, because that was the only kind of slavery there was, was white on black, and not black on black, and not white on black. All of which is reality. Those things happen. It's a st- I played a few minutes of the Candace Owens, uh, Prager you. I'm going to... Post it on my social so you can watch the rest of it for yourself. It's five minutes of stuff they did not teach you in high school, but you should learn. And then I've also got a longer video and audio, and I'm going to play it tomorrow, I think, on tomorrow's show. It's about eight minutes long that gives you much more detail about the reality. And when you learn what they didn't teach you in high school and what the media will never teach you, unless it's media like PragerU, But when you learn what slavery was really all about and what our nation's role in it was, how small it was in the bigger picture, you'll understand how incredibly absurd it is to try to think about, quote, reparations for descendants of some type of slavery, but not all types of slavery here in the United States really is. So I'm going to push that part of it on to tomorrow. Uh, Walt is in Cleveland. Walt, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, sir. Hi, Bob. Uh, First-time caller. Welcome. And I wanted to comment on the um, Orthodox Church as it relates to Ukraine. Now, the the Russian Orthodox Church and uh, its uh, patriarch is fully behind this Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, dating back to the... um, to the Russian Empire. You probably don't have time to go all the way back to the Russian Empire, Walt, just well, based on the clock here. But, but go what ahead. I'm saying is that the Orthodox Church in Ukraine uh, does have 
allegiance to the Russian Orthodox Church. Now, the American version of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church really has cut ties with the the Orthodox Church in Ukraine because of its allegiance uh, to the Russian Orthodox. So what's happening in Ukraine with the Orthodox Church is there's a lot of uh, espionage going on. Now, this is something that you better check out. Well, by who? who, who's, who's, Who's spying through the Orthodox churches? The Ukrainian Orthodox uh, uh, clergy. Spying because on, they, they have spying on beha- what I'm asking, though, Walt, I need you to get somewhere with this. Spying on yes. behalf of whom? The Russians. Okay, so, so you're saying the Orthodox Church clergy is is essentially Russian asset? Yes. Okay, and that's yes. why, and that's why, that's why Zelensky would be shutting those churches. Down. That's why he would be uh, shutting them down, and maybe even detaining some of the uh, some of the clergy. So this okay. is something you have to understand. And I know Tucker Carlson uh, came down on uh, Zelensky the other night uh, because of of this Orthodox business, but uh, there there could be a very good reason why he's doing that. I, I tell you what, this is the first that I've heard of that. I'm glad you called, and I'm glad you brought it up, and thank you so much for making that call, Walt. Uh, I hope you call back again since you're a first-timer, become a second-timer. Uh, I will indeed look that up and, and find out. Now, I'm sure it's not as simple as Googling it. Are Orthodox you know, churchgoers and clergy in Ukraine spying on their own country for the Russians? I, 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 I'm not going to be able to find that out, but I will look into it and find out if that has anything to do with why Zelensky is doing what he's doing, because I'll tell you this. Tucker Carlson has been a hardliner against this uh, Ukraine war and our support of it from the very beginning. That does not make him pro-Putin. Everybody who supports, uh, or excuse me, who opposes the idea of America funding with a blank check this never-ending Ukrainian effort against the Russians, apparently you're supposedly pro-Putin. He's not. Uh, Tucker has been against it from the beginning, and that might jade his coverage of this. I won't be able to judge that until I find out a little bit more of that uh, for myself. So I'm glad you told me, because I will look into it, because I think we do need to know the truth about the person that we are handing hundreds of billions of dollars to um, from the United States taxpayers, and that would be Mr. Zelensky. Okay, thanks to my guest today, Dr. Everett Piper, and thanks to... uh, 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 Jerry Serino, and thanks to Johnny Hiles running our show. Marianne, welcome back. Marcy Peebles helping out as well. Thanks to you for listening. Everyone have a great day. Be well and be safe. Stay free. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.